I'm Willie. And I'm Wade. And this is the Willie and Wade Show. Wade, what book are we reviewing today, man? To be honest, I don't even really know. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This book, we're going to cover many topics, such as a plot synopsis, analysis of Arthur and Zaphoid, discussions about the theme of this book, five interesting facts, our favorite quote from the book, and the history of the pop culture during this time period and how it affected the book. Here is our plot synopsis. Arthur Dent, whose house is about to be demolished for a planned road bypass, is lying down in front of a bulldozer when his friend Ford Perfect arrives and tells him that it is important that they go to the pub immediately. There, Ford explains that he is actually from a planet near Beetlejuice and that another alien species and the Vogons are about to destroy the Earth to make space for a hyperspatial express route. Meanwhile, Zaphod Beeblebrox, president of the galaxy, and his human female friend, Trillian, steal the heart of gold spaceship. Ford and Arthur hitch a ride on the Vogon destructor ship, and Ford lends Arthur his electronic guidebook, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and gives him a babelfish to stick in his ear to translate alien speech. The Vogon ship captain has Ford and Arthur ejected into space, but the heart of gold, which has an infinite improbability drive, picks them up 29 seconds later. The drive makes it possible to travel interstellar space almost instantly, but also causes Ford to briefly turn into a penguin. Next, Zaphod sends his depressed robot, Marvin, to take the hitchhikers to the bridge. Later that night, the Heart of Gold reaches its destination, the legendary planet Maragathea, which in the past built planets to order for wealthy customers, but later disappeared. However, Maragathea, after sending a message that it closed for business, fires missiles at the Heart of Gold. The ship's computer is unable to take evasive action, but Arthur engages the infant probability drive, and the missiles turn into a sperm whale and a bowl of petunias. Both fall to the planet's surface. Everything seems fine, except that Trillian's pet mice, Benji and Frankie, escape their cage. On Mythagria, Zaphod, Trillian, and Ford explore the planet's tunnels, leaving Marvin the depressed robot and Arthur to guard the entrance. Arthur encounters an elderly native of the planet who introduces himself as Slardabartfast. What the heck is that name? Yeah, I don't know either, man. And explains that the populace is not dead, but were sleeping until the economy improved. They are now engaged in building a second Earth, having been commissioned by mice, which are really hyper-intelligent dimensional beings that build the first Earth. These beings had built a supercomputer, Deep Thought, to determine the answer to life, the universe, and everything. After a period of seven and a half million years, the computer declared that the answer to was 42. The computer designed a more powerful computer, Earth, to find why 42 is the answer to life. Earth had nearly completed its calculations when the Vogon destroyed it. Slardabartfast brings Arthur to meet the mice who organized the building of the Earth, and they proved to be 
Benji and Frankie. Zaphod and Ford suggest that Arthur may have some ideas about the question, as his brain was an organic part of Earth. And Benji and Frankie decide that they will buy Arthur's brain and chop it up to look for their answer to life. Arthur, Ford, Zaphod, and Trillian are saved by the arrival of the Galactic Police to arrest Zaphod for the theft of the Heart of Gold. Marvin depresses the computer's running systems in the ship and life systems for the police into committing suicide. And the five travelers all escape to the Heart of Gold, after which they head toward the restaurant at the end of the universe. Now, a word from our sponsors, the Shooting Star Milkshake Bar. Hey, Willie, what's your opinion on Arthur Dent? Well, at the beginning of the book, they describe Arthur as about 30 years old, tall, dark-haired, never really quite at ease with himself, so he's not really confident. He is an ordinary human being living a quiet life in a house on the outskirts of an English village. He enjoys an ordered life and a fresh cup of tea. None of this prepares him for being plucked from Earth and launched into a series of bewildering adventures which while being shuttled around the galaxy even so he tries to raise the occasion and cope to his situation on occasion he breaks his general passivity and becomes a man of action arthur is one of the two surviving members of the human race after earth's destruction though insignificant compared to the vastness of the universe his humanity and human perspective allow the audience to relate to the absurd situations he finds himself in. Now Wade, what are your opinions on Ford Perfect? Ford Perfect is moderately tall and good looking in an inconspicuous kind of way. That means he likes to stay low profile and not really talk to many people. With wiry reddish hair. He is not human, however, he has been stranded on Earth for 15 years while posing as an out-of-work actor from Guilford. In reality, he is a researcher for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the revised version, of course. As such, he has a great deal of experience as a galactic hitchhiker. Having befriended Arthur, he rescues him from Earth's demolition and acts as a kind of mentor during their space adventures. In times of danger, Ford views the situation realistically, even somewhat fatalistically, while on the lookout for a way to escape. He manages to remain upbeat even at the worst of times and is often exhibits a dry, dark sense of humor. 
Curious, energetic, and keen for adventure, he is a foil for Arthur, who enjoys predictability and a nice cup of tea. Ford is Zaphod Beeblebrox's semi-cousin, and they grew up together. Knowing Zaphod well allows Ford to perceive something that is not right when he meets up with his semi-cousin aboard the starship Heart of Gold. Willie, what do you think about Zaphod Beeblebrox? Well, he has recently become the celebrity president of the galaxy, apparently in order to steal a new starship, the Heart of Gold. He is formerly from Beetlejuice 5 and semi-cousin to Ford Perfect. Besides of his unique physical characteristics, his qualities of mind are dash and conceit, making him larger than life and a legend in his own mind. He even says, in fact, if there's anything more important than my ego around, I want it caught and shot now. He attacks everything with a mix of extraordinary genius and naive incompetence. And things always seem to work out in his favor. He uses the heart of gold to find the legendary planet Pythagorea. And as unlikely as it seems, he and Arthur met six months before Arthur and Ford were picked up by Zaphoid's starship. At that time, he called himself Phil and lured away a girl Arthur was making a play for at a party. Now thrown together with the Earthman, Zaphoid considers Arthur as a relatively useless addition to Starship's crew. By the end of the story, however, he gains a grudging respect and accepts Arthur as one of the group. Now moving on to theme. Wade, what's your favorite theme from this book? My favorite theme from this book is the discovery of life. For Arthur, his house is a central part of life he knows. He was extremely comfortable with his life, which is why he was so upset when it was set to be demolished. However, it is clear that the man seeking to demolish the house sees the house as only as a nuisance in the way of the bypass. A similar thing occurs on a very large scale. To Arthur and his fellow human beings, they love Earth. However, it is destroyed by a fleet of Vogan ships to create an interstellar highway. They think nothing of destroying the Earth with all of its life and history because it is just a roadblock. Adams encourages readers to think beyond their limited perspective and consider the vastness, weirdness, and incomprehensibility of the rest of the universe. The discovery that there is more to the universe than just the Earth is a big one for Arthur Dent. When, he, when his home and planet are destroyed, he is sent on a wild journey through space, seeing lost planets, large black clouds, aliens, and several star systems in the galaxy. Although it is a completely new and quite terrifying experience for Arthur, he learns new lessons on the way and eventually makes friends with his fellow hitchhikers. Discovery is a virtual part of existence, and one should not mourn too much the loss of comfort and routine. There is much to learn and much to experience. Willie, what's your favorite theme from the book? Well, my theme is cluelessness runs through everyone, so everyone is clueless at some time. <clears throat> Arthur Dent is clueless in every way, but he represents the entire population of Earth before it was destroyed. Humans seem to think that they are the domin dominant species of the planet, completely oblivious to the fact that the planet is being run by mice as well as the virtual center of the universe. Cluelessness is also oblivious to other main characters. Zaphoid is the president of the universe, but he struggles to figure out why he ever sought the position and what he was doing with the Heart of Gold. 
Trillion and author are clueless simply because the earth was all they ever knew and now is apparently gone. Ford is clueless regarding others in general and he is only focused on himself and doesn't often pick up on social cues. Adam suggests that life can be strange and confusing. When we only come at it with our limited perspective and ignorance, we end up not fully engaging and submitting awkwardly about looking for meaning. This is why the guide is so important. It helps us figure out our world and the worlds beyond. Here's some interesting facts about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and its author. Wade? <laughs> I Wade, wasn't even on it. You're Snapchatting again, <laughs> ain't you? No. This is when you're supposed to speak. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was originally a radio broadcast. Before Adams wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as a book, it was a broadcast on the BBC as a seven-part radio program. The seven episodes were referred to as Fitz in reference to Lewis Carroll's The Hunting of the Snark and Agony in Eight Fits. See, I know you have girl problems, but you don't need to do it in the middle of our project. Wait, podcast, which we are doing live right now. Uh, the title of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was inspired by a travel guide for tourists in Europe. Adams was inspired by the Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe, written in the early 1970s by Ken Welsh and Katie Wood. A more practical guide to Adams' novel, Welsh and Wood's travel guide provided more information for budget-conscious travelers in Europe. Wade, read. Adams had to tweak Slarda Bartfast's name to make it appropriate for broadcasts. Adams wanted to give the character a name that would justify the sorrow in his personality and sounded downright ridiculous. Adams began calling him... You can say it. Come on. No, I'm not saying that. No. Hey. And gradually... He's gonna say it. Stop. Say it. Say it. Hard <laughs> and tough morals. Okay. Keep on going. Modifying it until it was appropriate for the broadcast. Adams created, helped create a video game in 1984 based on the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Adams partnered with Infocom to create the text-based video game in which players guide, to Arthur, guide Arthur Dent through the absurdities of Adams' interstellar universe. Video game critics note that Adams' creation of a game was perf- purposely difficult and at times frustrating to reflect on the absurdity of present in his novels. Another author was chosen to continue the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series after Adams's death. Before his death in 2001, Adams had published five installments of his series. Ewan Kofler was commissioned to write the sixth book featuring Arthur Dent entitled And Another Thing, which was published in 2009. Kofler is famous for Artemis Fowl, they are his Artemis Fowl series of science fiction novels. Now we are going to discuss how pop culture influences The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. In the 1970s, we saw the breakup of the Beatles. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. It's alright. Am I good to go now? Yeah. Just a pretty good song, man. It's very good. And in with the culture of this time. We're in 2020. I'm talking about the book, dummy. Oh, okay. Um, 
The Beatles were a favorite of Doug Adams. Disco then came in, followed by heavy metal, punk, and hip-hop. Clothing styles ranged from hippie beads and bell-bottom jeans. No. No. <laughs> uh. Let me talk. Let me talk. Why? Let me talk. Come on. I have them apple-bottom jeans. Boots with the fur, the fur, the whole club looking at her. See it to blow, it to blow like okay. a nose. Okay. <laughs> There's a definite favor to, of the hippie about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy's galactic president, Zaphoid Beetlebrox. <laughs> Beetlebrox. <laughs> we went this far <laughs> saying Beetlebrox. And you haven't said nothing about it yet. <laughs> Beetle props. Okay, shut up. Who is a wild, nonconformist. <laughs> it describes himself as a real cool boy. So the 1970s included laser suits and platform shoes, disco balls, sticky notes, and long gun employment lines. The decade was also marked, however, by exciting technological innovation. Douglas Adams had a keen interest in technology and... It is, of course, an essential element of it in his work. He eagerly promoted technological innovation and applauded advancements in the world of computers, the Internet, and consumer electronics. The basic concept of the Internet began in 1969, and by the end of the 1970s, personal computers were available. In addition, the first video cassette and video game were invented, as well as the first pocket calculator and the first electronic digital wristwatch. In short, there was an explosion of gadgets that changed how people were entertained and educated and how they calculated and communicated. At the time, Douglas Adams wrote The Hitchhiker Guide to the Galaxy. Space exploration was a lot on a lot of people's minds. Astronauts had already walked on the moon, and exploration is advancing thanks to the Mariner spacecraft, which launched in the early 1970s to orbit and map the surface of Mars. In addition, the Voyager spacecraft was sending back messages of Jupiter and Saturn. Skylab, the first U.S. space station, was orbiting Earth, and the Apollo-Soyuz test project, the first space mission crewed by Americans and Russians, was underway. A guest speaker to read our quote of the book, Marvin the Depressed Robot. Quote of the book now, is such a bizarrely improbable coincidence that anything so minbeginly useful could have evolved purely by chance that some thinkers have chosen to see it as the final and clinching proof of the non-existence of God. The argument goes something like this. I refuse to prove that I exist, says God, for proof denies faith. And without faith I am nothing but, says man. The Babel fish is a dead giveaway, isn't it? It could not have evolved by chance. It proves you exist and so therefore by your own arguments. You don't, oh dear says God. I hadn't thought of that, and promptly vanished in a puff of logic. Thank you, Marvin. Now, Wade, what are your thoughts about that quote? I believe that this quote touches on the many aspects of God and how he can be interpreted. It states that some higher order being has evolved the Babelfish to break down barriers between races of people in order for us to communicate beyond the thought of our perception of everything. It also says that uh, the Babelfish has caused many, many wars. Well, most of those wars are because of cultural indifferences. 
Now we can relate to this because in Earth, in the Middle East, we have Islam, and we have Christianity, and we have Judaism. Now, all three, all three of those, there's been wars for centuries over the holy place Israel, which is the promised land for the Christianity, also for the Jews, but it's also one of the birthplace birthplaces for Muhammad, the uh, the Islamic founder. Now that's really special to the Mus Muslims, but but um, I think that it relates extremely well to real life. All right. This concludes our podcast. We had very, very, very many bloopers. Uh, like, we couldn't pronounce any words. Wait. Yeah, we had a bunch of brain farts. I don't even know what happened. What words did we, like... It, it was just... It was like Zaphoid. It was, we're just, like, it was just bad, man, to be completely honest. It no, was, but making this project was actually really, really fun. Really fun. At the beginning, we were kind of... Uh, kind of like... We awkward. sounded like we were, robots. We were awkward about it, to be completely honest. We didn't know what we were doing. But then we got into the flow of things, and really... Then we just started having conversations, and... Uh, it was actually a lot of fun. You'll notice our humor tuned up a whole, whole lot. Towards the end, yeah. Towards the end, and uh, I think that has to do something where we both had a uh, energy Dew. drink. Mountain Dew. So, yeah. All right. Now we are going to be really cheesy and play the Looney Tunes, blah, blah, blah. That's all, folks. And, uh, Wade? Yeah, Wade doesn't have anything to say. So, see ya. Thank you for listening. Yep. Have fun listening and grading this, Mr. Snyder.